0: Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and man, I cannot wait for you to hear my chat with Frank Carter. Oh, um, hang on a sec. Okay, that's better. Something that I deeply love about today's episode is that it doesn't take long for it to get personal. Frank is the kind of person who only knows how to wear his heart on his sleeve, both on and off the stage. Anyone who's familiar with his career in music already knows this, from his time in bands like Gallows and his current group, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. But another incredible aspect about Frank's life is that he's also a prolific tattoo artist and owner of a tattoo shop in London. That shop is called Rose of Mercy, a creative space for people of all genders, ages, races, and religions. The mantra of the shop is always in bloom, bloom in all ways. And that mantra is the guiding light of our talk, along with the why. What made Frank feel it was vital to have a space like this, and what does it look like making it into a reality? I had the pleasure of meeting Frank here in New York right before the pandemic, and the warmth and the candor he expresses on today's episode is something I have a lot of gratitude towards. Especially his curiosity, which plays into how he functions not just as a boss, but also as an artist. We also chat about the most recent Rattlesnakes album, Sticky, which features the band playing at their most aggro, along with features from artists like Joe Talbot of Idols, Lynx, and Bobby Giuseppe of Primal Scream. If you're in Europe, you'll be able to catch Frank and the band across a bunch of festivals like Mad Cool, Pokopop, Rockin' Scene, and loads more. They'll also be doing a full European tour later this fall, starting on November 4th in Sweden. Visit andtherattlesnakes.com for more info. Also, if you'd like to have a cooler Instagram feed, go right ahead and give at Rose of Mercy a follow. This is The New Exchange with Frank Carter. Enjoy. I've been excited about getting to chat with you again after all this time. Before we talk about music, we're going to talk a lot about tattoos and your company in London. And... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, would I be right in thinking this has probably been a very interesting time to run a tattoo business like in these last couple of years like
1: Yes, yeah, I mean, interesting is a really diplomatic way of of saying it um I mean, I signed the lease for our shop in march twenty twenty mm. so two weeks later, we were shut, and the whole world shut down um and we still had like um a, a two a three-month build to do you know so it was it's been very difficult it's been re- it's been yeah I won't I won't lie it's been a really really tough couple of years but when tough comes along like those challenges are what are kind of what define me usually so I just set to work to find a way that not could not that could cash flow it but just that would keep my mind engaged with the process and and hopefully aim to generate some income, you know? Um, so I ended up painting des- like tattoo designs for people, but like on live stream on Instagram, right? And just people would tune in and watch me paint these terrible, like they weren't, like my tattoo drawings, I spend time on, they're perfect. These things are just like ink skull and crossbones that were like, you know, someone, called, <laughs> someone, someone joined me and they wanted to, a spider playing a Fender Telecaster and it's probably the worst drawing I've ever done, <laughs> but it was, but it was funny. And then they would, I would send them to the people that had joined the conversation for free. And then there'd be 10 or so left to buy. And, and they just kept selling out and that's what kept us afloat, um, especially when we were locked up at home. But it's been, you know, it's been interesting, but I guess both my careers, the integral component is people, you know, it's fine to be a tattooer but if you've got no one to tattoo you're you're basically just an illustrator and um and if you're a musician and you've got no crowd to play in front of then you've just got two years of band practice so it's been it's been tough yeah
0: i'm curious in that regard because like i'm here in new york and i've seen like mostly like on instagram but also talking with friends that i've caught up with and you know I don't even know what we call this time because we're technically still in the pandemic. I almost want to say post pandemic, but still a weird thing. But I have been seeing Mm -hmm. people who I know never thought about getting tattoos prior to the pandemic, just going about and getting them now. And I wonder if you found that as well. or have seen people telling you like, yeah, I just figured now I'd get a tattoo because it's like I've never thought of it before.
1: Yeah, I mean, certainly for like our shop. This year has been quite difficult as far as sort of cancellation policies go. Like a lot of people are still sort of in the hangover of COVID or whatever, you know, So some yeah. people have, one week they're telling me like, I didn't even get it. And then the next minute they're canceling their appointments, they finally got it, you know? Oh, Jesus. So it's, it's, We've still been dealing with that, but yeah, we've definitely had an influx of people that sort of like, it just made them rethink their whole life. You know, I mean, what they're calling it, they're calling it the great resignation, you know, yeah. like so many people, instead of going back to the job they've been doing, they're just like, no, I'm going to, this is my chance to change and do something different. And I think we're seeing that across the board. What I have noticed is a greater number of um, older clients, you know, my age bracket is definitely changing. I'm tattooing, you know, way more people above the ages of 25, 30 than I ever have. And later, you know, I regularly have people come through the studio who are like, in their early 50s, early 60s, even like just wanting to come and get their first tattoo, which is just that's that cool. That's fun, you know, like,
0: it's really sick. Like, and you know, interestingly enough, see, I'm sure you've been asked many times about the first tattoo you ever got, but I don't want to do that. And so I kind of want to flip it mm. a bit. And I'm I would love to know because you're, you're constantly getting tattoos. So what was the last tattoo you got and what
1: inspired it? The last tattoo I got was was a rose on my arm, and it's like this big. If I'll show you really quickly, oh, yeah. it's very small. So the logo of my of our, our shop is a oh, red right. rose with a green stem, right? And it's very it's very simple, <laughs> very very simple tattoo design. But my daughter was in the shop and she um, just was copying it, you know. So oh, this. Okay, right this is what she drew but she also tattooed it and at the time she was six so yeah. she's watching a six, six letting a six-year-old loose with a tattoo machine is like probably not the smartest move I ever made <laughs> but it was very funny and it's definitely the tattoo that means the most to me so oh, yeah.
0: Look at that! yeah yeah I'll
1: describe it for people yeah that's
0: like a tattoo that's like it looks like almost like I would say maybe two Legos stacked on top of each other size all, all <laughs> <push. Yeah. laughs> just
1: about who let two legos that have been chewed up by the dog yeah Yeah. it's pretty wild it's definitely but it's still i think it's beautiful you still still get the that is the the essence of a rose i think is what i like to say
0: no it definitely is and the coloring is like particularly profound like you know i don't want to get super heady but the fact that there's a bunch of dark tattoos around and then there's just like this (laughs) nice bright red and green it's kind of beautiful yeah yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of reasons why I was like really keen to chatting with you because it's interesting, because like the art of tattooing is something that's had an interesting shift of existence, I think in the last 40 or odd years in like Western culture where there was a big period of time. I think about when I grew up like in the 90s where people didn't respect it, people associated it with weird ideals. There's a lot mm-hmm. of dismissal in the general public. You're a little bit older than me, so I imagine you even remember that even in an earlier like portion of your life. And, you know, nowadays, those ideas still exist but i think on a much smaller level because i think a lot of times now you see most people have almost like a sense of respect towards what tattooing is that they do see it as an art and i know it's a big thing to ask but how do you view the shift of perception towards tattoos now when you consider just like the last 10 years or so because i imagine you've you know you've seen that quite a bit yeah
1: it's um yeah, it's been dramatic, actually. I mean, even I remember when I got my first tattoo, my mum didn't speak to me for two months because as far as she was concerned, like tattoos were only ever appointed to, you know, outlaws and, you know, and criminals really, you know? They, yeah, they were sort yeah. of, they were still, you know, then for the underworld as far as she was concerned, you know? And she just, I guess she just saw her angelic son like disappearing down a hole that would never come back from. Now, I mean, since then she's tattooed me, she turned 60 at the end of this year she's told me she wants a tattoo so <laughs> you know if, if that is not a prime example of how it's changed over the past 10, 10 years I don't know what is but I think it's also one of those things it's like I talk about the the, the correlation between tattooing and rock and roll yeah like rock and roll has always been like it's, it's never always been for the mainstream. The mainstream can get behind it, but it was never, it was always for the edges, you know, the fringe and like the slight underdog. But what it also is, is like, it's always been this like perennial, like muse, you know, the inspiration, like all other genres will turn to rock and roll when they need like an edge and they don't know what it is. You know, like when you look at like hip hop bringing in a real snare and stuff, like, you know, you you talk about all of a sudden you've got like rappers that are that are covered head to toe in tattoos, and they're like, you know, like the old rockers of New York used to be, and then they're wearing like studded leather jackets as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. it's it's, it, it's like what what do we you know? And tattooing, as far as i have been aware, has always just gone hand in hand with that punk rock mentality that mainstream loves to hate, and you know, it, so it puts it on a pedestal just so I can knock it down you know and now we've got like you know miami inc la inc london inc fucking like wherever wherever the hell there is ink, there's there's a tv show about it now there's, you know there's people getting like you know getting tattooed blind on tv and then being surprised by the absolute horror that's just been put on their body and then and then there's a show about covering it up you know it's like it's it to me. It's it's the change has been wild and it's been dramatic, but it goes hand in hand with how, with how we've been sort of trying our best. The curiosity people have got a real curiosity about like fringe subculture, and when they do, they just they they kind of want to sit at home in the safety of their home and point and laugh at other people. But it's um, yeah, it's been it's been really interesting to watch. It's been really interesting to be a part of it. Like what's most, hap- what's most interesting for me though is the changes on the inside of the industry. Like it, whenever you look at anything, how it changes in the mainstream is always going to be like, there's always, that's always one factor. But ha- the changes inside the industry have been huge. And like, you know, it, it has gone super and over in the fact that when I was starting out, you couldn't get any information. There was no catalog. There was no, you, you could go on the internet and you could still, there was still no way of buying things. You know, you just couldn't get your hands on it. And if a tattooer knew you had, they'd be knocking on your door to snap your fingers. You know, like it was, it was a much more ruthless world back then. Nowadays, there are tattoo shops everywhere. There are like, you know, there are tattoo shops in, in, serviced office spaces and things like you know we we put a tattoo shop inside 180 the strand which is crazy There's a house on the roof do you know what i mean like it's it is it it, it, it's changed dramatically and um what once was a totally gate-kept industry is now just wide open and i really believe like just for the greater good of the hot of tattooing in general because a lot of people who would have been kept outside of tattooing who you know maybe w- didn't want to respect the tradition of it which is an important point to come back to they're now in and they're just and they're just making tattoos that are super progressive they're based in in the world of art rather than tattoo they're forward thinking they're outside the box and as a result we've we've had like whole new sort of uh, styles of tattooing just emerged that are just incredible and you can't deny the skill and the talent and the vision you know that to me has been the biggest change is how it's affected the insider industry
0: that's really beautiful and you know like before i ask this next question like this popped into my head as they were talking but like i'm in uh greenpoint brooklyn i'm pretty close to the music venues warsaw and brooklyn steel for people listening who are curious and I'm, mm. I'm thinking in like a like a 15 minute radius around my apartment. I'm pretty sure off the top of my head, we have got three different tattoo shops. Like
1: you got Greenpoint Tattoo Co. You've got Rose. Is there? Is around right. there? You've got um. Oh my God, who was on? Who's up the top there by St. Vitus? That's amazing. East, you River, know that East of, River was up there. Like that's amazing. Yeah. You know that off the top of your head, like. though. Yeah, Save was that. Save was down the road. Well, I used to live on Dupont Street. At the top of Greenpoint, I lived there for a few years. Oh, I actually didn't know that. I don't think we talked about it yeah. last time we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, yeah. I, I lived there for a long time. So,
0: well, do you know? I don't think I ever told you about the first time I saw you guys live. Yeah, it was, um, I can't remember the year, but you guys were opening up for AFI when it was like when you're still in Gallows, oh. and you oh, were, man. yeah, yeah, and you were, um, what was it? They, uh, it was at Starland Ballroom in New Jersey and it was cold as fuck. Like, and I remember my, my mates told me about your band and I knew about you, but I didn't see any photos. So I remember just seeing like this short redhead guy jumping on stage and not giving a fuck. And it was the coolest thing in the world. Like, I still remember that. That must have been over a decade ago. Like,
1: oh, easily. Yeah. Yeah. That's that a long time ago now. But that was because I mean, we, you know, I left that band, I think in 2011. I think. So that's like, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, a long time ago now, but man, that tour was so much fun. Yeah, they're sweethearts. uh, Yeah. Oh, my God. AFI like that. And I grew up listening to that band, you know, so I like I I, I love them. But yeah, to be on the on the road with them in America as well. And like, I think that that was a time when their crowd really, they, you know, even if they didn't get us, they knew what we had been doing for years on the road as gallows. And they still they respected us enough to come early and listen. And that was that made a big difference to us, like just to have people, you know, to play in front of was was major. So I made a lot of friends on that tour. It was great.
0: Oh, That's so amazing. That's like what it's all about. And, you know, a a major reason we've been talking about tattoos and this is going to be mentioned mentioned in the intro naturally, but you founded a beautiful tattoo shop in East London called Rose of Mercy, which is also considered to be a safe space for people, for creative people mm-hmm. to come and feel like they're part of something. The mantra of the shop is always in bloom, bloom and always. And tell me, how do you feel that mantra inspires, like, how you approach it both? It kind of almost feels weird to ask, but I'd love to explore this with you. Like, how do you feel it informs how you approach the spiritual and the practical level of the business? Because I think having that mantra is very beautiful.
1: Yeah, I think the the spiritual side of it is the first part, is to, is to all, you know, always in bloom. That's like, I try to create a space where people can come and be themselves, but the very, I want people to, I, I understand that no one can be the best version of themselves at all times, but I want them to walk through the door and feel like that's the place where they, they need to be like trying, you know, really trying to like come in or leave everything else outside and work at like making themselves the best tattoo artists they can be because that's what our clients deserve and then the practical side of the business is you know for is the blooming always like that's for me as that's my reminder to go in there and to be constantly thinking about how i can grow our rose garden you know like how i can use my network to gift it to the people that are coming up who are like You know, I I, like I said, I signed the lease on that place, March 2020, and the intention was always to hire young junior tattoos, you know, people that needed help. I've had I've had three apprentices graduate now that are doing incredible work like they're they're really making like beautiful tattoos and they're sort of becoming renowned in their own right already. Um, They all do totally different styles, which is really nice to know that I've still got it. (laughs) and um and now we've got you know we've got three more apprentices at the shop now who are all like they are just hustling and working so hard and they they make me like really really proud but outside of that our resident tattooers were all young you know none of them really had i think the most one of them had was like two and a half years under their belt you know already and they still when they sat down with me they still said like i feel like i'm just learning for the first time so the whole idea behind the shop was to provide a platform for people to, to come in and feel like they weren't going to be disturbed and they can just, and they could just feed on tattooing in a way that no one else would give them the, pro- the, the opportunity. Like I said, man, when I started out, it was the whole industry was gate kept every part of it. Like I, I asked, I asked for a job at 15 to try and get an apprenticeship at 15 shops. I went, with a portfolio of paintings, you know, like drawings to show that I had like I at least was dedicated to the drawing aspect of it, and none of them would would take me you know like it was you know I got my breaking tattooing randomly when I brought a portfolio of paintings to it to to get critiqued by Steve Byrne, a tattooer, and he just happened to show a couple of other guys in the shop, and then they told me to come back and clean the toilet and sweep the floor and just be around you know so I don't need anyone to sweep my floor or like wash the toilet. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'm I'm lucky enough. I'm privileged enough to be in a place where I can work and I can keep the roof over our heads. And I just want to take like some of the stress out of the situation because I, I know how difficult it is being young and just trying to find your way in the world. So I think if I see promise in someone, I'll just give them the room until, you know, until they're re- and, You know, it's it's like a... It's like a warm nest. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, come here, when you're ready to fly, give it a go. If you fall on your ass, I'll pick you up, put you back in the nest until you until you're ready to give it another go. Like, I, I just I'm just trying desperately to just pay it down the line to kids because also selfishly, like some of these kids are just so inspiring to me. Like I, I get to go in and be around a hunger and an energy towards tattooing that that you can only have for the first five years of, of tattooing. You know, it's not, I wish you could keep that forever and ever, but it naturally changes. It, it's a natural graduation. And I, and, I, and I think I'm sure there are some fucking 50, 70-year-old tattooers that'll be like, "Bah, I <laughs> don't know what he's talking about. And I still love tattooing the same way I did when I was younger. I do as well, but it's different. I'm different to when I was at 21, you know? Yeah, I think that goes beyond
0: even tattooing. Sorry not to cut you off. I was just going to say, I think because um, I do photography for a living and mm. I've been doing it for a little bit over a decade and I still love it. And getting to a point where I can get, make money off, it's huge. But I sometimes and I sometimes am afraid I'm over romanticizing it. But I do remember what it felt like doing it when I was like nineteen, twenty, even like 23 24. And like that It was so different. The passion internally was so different.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. But also, it's because it's because you have the space to to have that passion. You know, like you don't have. I know you're an adult, but it's a loo- it's loose. You know, back then you have still got the safety nets are still around. They're in play. You know, your your parents are waiting for you to like, you know, not come home <laughs> crying type thing. If you if you're lucky enough to still have them holding you back, you know, like it. I don't know. It's it's um. There's room to breathe when you're that age because you said that the reality of life, the shotgun of life hasn't gone off in your face yet. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'm going to ask one more thing about tattooing before we get into the music. And I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up because you said something pretty interesting a couple of minutes ago, and I'm sure it perked people's ears up, but I think it's important that I bring it up because you mentioned how things are so different now and back to how they used to be and you said something along the lines of like how there are people would want to break your fingers so i heard that and i imagine it was such a precarious industry at the time that people really wanted to safeguard it also from a mindset of just like if some new hot guy came they might think it's like taking foods out of their mouths but i wonder if you consider where tattooing is now especially in the context of rose of mercy like respectfully, what do you think would surprise most people about running a tattoo shop as a business? Because I think from the outside, a lot of people would be like, oh, those people must be having the time of their lives. And they forget that just for the lights to be on, there's a business component there. That's very serious. Like.
1: Yeah, I mean, I could sit and I don't want to be the guy that like rains on everyone's parade of like, the, I'd love, I'd rather keep like the, the romanticism <laughs> of tattooing like yeah we're just a bunch of pirates and we all make loads (laughs) of money and um it's just we literally just do skulls and hearts every day and you can't afford me and my waiting list is fully booked do you know what i mean like that's what i want to tell everyone but the reality of it is it's it's a business and unless you have a business mind you will find like running it is difficult it is really hard and i and i'll be honest man like That's been the biggest curveball for me for the past couple of years. I thought I could come in and do this as an artist. Being an artist and a business mind is a different fucking thing. It's very I've I've had to learn to become business savvy, learn to become a manager of people. You know, I'm I'm not designed for that. Like I can command a crowd, but like if you go in and you play the same song every single day, they're gonna eventually get bored of it or they'll learn the lyrics better than you. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. this, is, this is the interesting thing for me is like trying to adapt from being just a sole artist to a manager of people. And when I realised that like, I realised to not expect anything from them and just be happy with the fact that I had a platform to provide and then just listen. And the one thing I tell everybody now is just like, listen more than you talk. Like, you know, like if you just listen more, talk less, everything will go pretty easy for you so um i don't know i don't know maybe i should just leave my door open for people to ask me questions but you know what just yesterday right yeah i've had this i've had an artist called adam he's an amazing hand poke artist and he's been working for sort of a little while and then he was like i was like oh when are you back in and he said oh actually like and he was a bit nervous he said look I, I actually i think i'm gonna i'm not gonna come back and i was like okay cool like, He's like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna open my own space. And I was like, man, that's amazing. Like that's exactly what you need to do. Because I see the way you work. And like, although we have a real gentle space, it still can be quite busy. And he's quite like, I think he needs just like a one-on-one experience with his clients. And um, you know, for me, I was just the one thing I left open for him was that and for anyone that leaves my shop is if you need anything, like I'm your guy, like just come to if you wanna, if you wanna know, you know. The best accountant to speak to if you want to know how to license your property like those are the things that i've learned and that's what i can hand down now it used to be teaching people the best most efficient way to draw a rose and how much black and shading should be in it you know and now i'm like I've, i'm i'm open and i and that i have to say i've got to pay up the line like that goes back to my friend maxime maxime placeyabushi who who runs Son blue like he has been integral to me like to my development as a tattoo artist like in a business sense like he has always been fully transparent if I have any question I just call him and ask and he and he's happy to give me the information so that's what I do now but yeah if you want to know how running a business the business of tattooing is it's it's it is literally just running another business it's fucking it's a lot man
0: you know it's interesting with you're saying that like what's really mad is that I've you're one of the both musicians and artists I've had a very high respect for, because in how you've approached music, uh, even ever since like the post gallows days, it's very much been from like an independent standpoint, regardless of being signed, regardless of having distribution, like everything Mm -hmm. is very hands-on. And I always appreciated that about you and always found it really fascinating how you'd go out of your way to like engage with fans and engage with people on a very like uh, grounds, roots and people to people level. But I think that's a testament to like how Yeah, like having all of that, like, because that's a business in itself, I I feel fortunate saying that, like being around enough musicians and seeing that when you do that, that's a business, but it's just like the thing when you go into a different arena, it's like you have to be able to adapt like on the fly so much.
1: Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, I really appreciate your words. Thank you, because it's we have, you know, throughout the years, I've learned how important it is to be independent. And I am now like you know, Dean and I are fiercely independent in music and we, you know, we, yeah, it's it's just integral to us, but I'm also aware that I don't know everything, you know? And yeah. so like, it's, it's so important to have a network of people who are independent or not, but are most importantly, like transparent with the knowledge that they've learned. Because actually we're all better in this together. And the sharing of knowledge is what is what makes what's made my life easier so yeah to like everyone from dante at first street through to maximus on blue thomas hooper who like taught me how to even hold a tattoo machine really you know like chad keplinger who gave me like man so much knowledge on on drawing tattoo designs claudia de Sabe, you know like all, all like Valerie vargas man what what an absolute legend of tattooing and i got to watch her draw you know every day when i was at first street so there's knowledge that you take and then there's the knowledge that's actually given and i think it takes years of 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 learning and also years of like being alone with your ego um before you can be confident enough to say like oh i'm happy to share all of this knowledge because actually no one can take away from me what's mine you know and that's that's like the minute I got there it was like this epiphany and then I just wanted to share it with everybody so now it used to you know it used to piss me off when people would dm me or 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 message me on myspace back in those days like how do you like just I want to be a tattooer how do you be it and I used to think who the fuck do you think you are like <laughs> I, I I went to I went to 15 fucking tattoo shops like to do, do you know I, I got laughed I got thrown out of one shop like actually thrown out like do you know what I mean like and you're sat at home and, and you've just... Need, and now I'm just like, I've just got a copy. I just copy and paste it. I've got steps now. I just yeah. send it back. I'm like, this is how, man. when You know, in, in, in six months, send me like five paintings of Flash. if They're good. You can come and work here. Like, I just don't care anymore. I'm just like, this is it, man. I might just put it on the fucking website, actually. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <I'm> a, <laughs> redirect feeling, everyone there. This is how you do go. it. When you're good, come and see me. I'll <laughs> Give you a job. <laughs>
0: I, I feel like you see like because we're recording just the audio but i could tell people it's like as you said that it felt like a light bulb, light bulb moment i think like you're <laughs> gonna go do that after we're done talking about
1: like, you know actually <laughs> yeah it's probably a pretty good point i just and then i can i don't have to send i don't have to copy and paste like four pages i can just send them the link <laughs> uh
0: um, oh we last met when you were touring um for the last album you guys put out uh before sticky which was end of suffering and we had a big heart to heart about how ambitious that album was from a creative perspective. And it was a really beautiful chat. And like, as a fan of your music, I love how the evolution of the music has been very um, poignant from album to album. And you even hear it on sticky, which on the face might seem like a much simpler album, but it's still, it still clearly has a lot of ambition behind it, especially from a sonic perspective. So how do you feel your experience making end of suffering influenced how you guys approach sticky?
1: I mean, it, 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 it was everything. We had to learn like more than we had ever learned with End of Suffering. And we had to push as far as we could go to have the knowledge of what, we, of restraint, you know? With Sticky, we were like trying to bring it all together. So it's much more concise, much more coherent. And it had like a real, like, a feeling in itself. We wanted to take everything rattlesnakes up to that point and give you like, the the stock cube that makes the gravy. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is this is it. This is like, this is what is rattlesnakes, but it's actually too much to take on its own. Do you know what I mean? You, and that's and in order to do that, you've got to go, you've got to lay yourself bare, and that's what we did in End of Suffering. We just like, you know, it's like at the end of fucking Braveheart where he's just getting hung, like, drawn and quartered. He's getting stretched out and cut open. That's how it felt for us at the end of it at the at the end of recording and the sufferings there was there was just nothing more left to give and with this now it's like with sticky it was it was fun you know it was, it was it was fun to record it it was fun to push those buttons and obviously um you know we left it in the hands of dean to 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 produce it was made it was you know mostly written and recorded in east london where we're both living we wanted to make a record that was the real essence of rattlesnakes in that moment. And um I really think we got it right. But there's without a shadow of a doubt, there's no way we could have done that without everything we learned from from Cam Blackwood, from Tom Misser, from Dan Moiler, you know, from Lorna Blackwood, like, you know, my my vocal coach when we were making and suffering. You know, I still I still have vocal coaching every week, you know? Really? I didn't meet Lorna until the end of the recording of end of suffering which was not ideal to be honest like it's like <laughs> just done this just done this album where I'm like really reaching for my singing and like you've just taught me three things on the last week that have made everything easier <laughs> like shit um but she's yeah we... is that you you've sorry you've been singing your like for a good
0: portion like the majority of your life mm. and you you still felt the need to get a, a singing coach that's really
1: fascinating yeah no she she's incredible she's literally changed my life like but I, but I not only look, I I've had imposter syndrome a long time, but like when you're a singer and a front man, like you're expected to come with a confidence just to carry it. Whether you want to or not. I have no knowledge of music equipment, like at all. You know, I'm sat in a studio now. I couldn't fucking plug it up, plug it in mate. Like I, I can't, <laughs> I could turn it on at the wall and that's about the length of my knowledge. Like, but, I'm learning. I've started learning. I've started playing piano and I've started like really focusing on my singing because that is my instrument. And what Lorna's taught me, you know, just through technique has meant that I have just got like control over my voice like I've never had. It's made every record that we've had before better, you know. So we're really now when we play live, like I'm at the very top of my game. And to be like, you know, I'm almost, I'm going to be 38 at the end of this month. Like, That's that's wild to me, you know. Like that's that's crazy to be almost hitting forty and feeling like I haven't hit my peak yet. That's 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 exciting. So just getting my stride now. So all these all these youngins they better watch out.
0: (laughs) I mean, honestly, as someone who's seen you on stage, I mean, like that night when you were like, uh, I was at the Mercury Lounge when I last saw you. Mm. Like my favorite thing about that show, and honestly, I've thought about throughout the pandemic because you know, especially during like lockdown. You just found yourself returning to like different memories. And like Mm. that show, yeah, the second you guys hit the stage, it was so just like go. The second.
1: (laughs) I think that I think that's when you listen to Sticky, that's what we wrote. We wrote we basically wrote a gig. Like you know, we just we wanted to write an album that felt like you were at an early rattlesnakes gig. It was just like fucking carnage from the minute you go. There's some singing, there's some this, this and that. But the reality of it is that it's just, it's just full blown, like from, from, from the minute you hit play, it's, you are on. And I think we achieved that with that record as well. God knows what's coming next. I don't know what yeah. the fuck we're going to do now, but maybe I'll write <laughs> a fucking album of ballads. Do you know what I mean? No, I'll do yeah. a Christmas number one with Michael Bublé. <laughs> <laughs> I'd fucking listen to it. Like i mean, say <laughs> <you're, you're laughs> so with dis- my mum. <laughs> my mum would be gassed. All my aunties at Bingo would be like, have you heard his new song? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, what you're essentially describing is the immediacy. And it's interesting because you said that it was essentially, like, kind of encapsulating those early gigs. But, I mean, respectfully, as someone who saw those shows back in, like, 2019, like, that must have influenced the making of Sticky as well, right? Because I feel like that was quite prominent. Because it's like, we're talking, again, zero to 100 in, like, a second. Like,
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, that is the key, is, like, you have to be able to switch on at a speed that no one else can, like, can maintain, you know? It's it's like, look, I always think about our shows as as being, like, if you flick the TV on in the middle of a high-speed chase, yeah? Yeah. Right? And, you're like, holy fuck, okay, this is, this is pretty wild, right? And you watch it for a few minutes, and then at some point the guy just hits the nitro button and it's just gone, like, and then the police have just left there. And, and it's like that's what I feel like our gigs are like first song you're in the chase and at some point we turn the speed up so much that like we just try and make sure that no one else can catch up and um you know it's it's been nice to watch that when we've especially when we've played support gigs like when we play slots with like bigger bigger bands I mean I you know I, I don't want to talk too much about like the, the Foo Fighters right now especially with what's just happened um but but I remember seeing Dave and Taylor like sitting side stage and watching, and I remember coming off and 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 Dave saying to me like, "Cool, I'm ready now." <laughs> and and I and I remember thinking like, "What the fuck? Like, like you now you're ready to play a gig, you know?" Like and and then I realised later on it was it, he, you know, we we talked a lot me and Dave and, and and Taylor and Taylor would always say like he he was so excited to watch us play because it meant that he it set the bar for him for the show like he had to he had to match that you know and for them like when they're playing every night to h- sometimes hundreds of thousands of people you know what you ne- never want to be as a rock band is complacent you know so they and they picked carefully their support acts to make sure they were bands that were keeping them on their toes that were really hungry for it and by god we are fucking. if you give me a chance to play you know to open it for a band like the Foo fighters you better believe that i'm gonna do everything in my power to try and upstage them because <laughs> yeah. that you know because well, like when do you get that opportunity ever again so they're living legends like you gotta just fucking oh do it so
0: I, sh- I should add a bit of context yeah we're recording this near the ta- tail end of march and uh yeah mm-hmm. t- taylor hawkins with what happened um anyone listening knows but i I'm mates with um, the guys in the cribs and um, they've opened up for them before. I know Simon from Biffy pretty well and they've opened up and I've heard yeah. them say similar things over
1: the years. So it's beautiful
0: hearing that sentiment again.
1: Every, every single band they bring on tour with, there will be a moment where they stand on stage and they watch that band and it's something, that's something that I learned from them that I just, I have so much respect for that. And I try and do it every time we bring a band on state on tour. Like I, I at least make sure that I'm there for some of it. i witness some of it because it just makes such a difference. It's just, and it's such a small thing, but it goes a long way.
0: It, it echoes what you were saying about just how even having young uh, tattooists in the shop, right. You know, mm. like it's kind of beautiful. How that's so all encompassing. Just like, I feel it too, man, because like, it, 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 like I brought up photography earlier but it's like you know to do it on a level where you get money for it you do have to do it a lot of the times in a way mm-hmm. where you do where complacency is kind of encouraged because it's like you have to approach things in a very more or less predictable manner not everybody but a lot of people but for me I found personally it is a lot of the younger people who have no idea of rules or expectations and they are just creating yeah. from that I love seeing that
1: that's that's the dream isn't it to like unfortunately like once learned it's so much harder to unlearn and and what you see with young kids is like is that hunger to learn like they've they've, they're innocent you know to the ways of the world and 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 within that anything they do is not it's not a bad habit it's not done with malicious intent it's just they're just trying to find their own way to create so to be around that like that's why i said it's selfish you know like it's I'm not, I'm not, don't look at me like a charity. You know, like I'm like, this, this, uh, this is fully like, I'm I'm lining my pockets every day with like inspiration. <laughs> Trust me, I'm like going, I'm scraping. I'm like scooping it off. Like, like I'll sit and ask them questions and they're like, look at me like, why are you asking me the question? Like, what the fuck? Like you're supposed to be teaching me. Don't ask me why. Or they look at me like they're in trouble you know I say yeah. oh, why, did you do it? why why have you drawn this like this and they're like they look at me like is that not the way to do it and I said no there's no rules you can do you can literally do whatever you want I'm just curious because I've been drawing it like that for you know one, one day I went in and one of the kids was, had a guy laid out and he had his and he was tapping his elbow like that right yeah. just laid on the bench tapping his elbow and I said why, why are you doing it like that and he goes oh well I saw you do a guy's knee and you just laid him down you bent his knee I thought, fucking hell, man, I've been tattooing 20 fucking years and I've never thought to do that. And I hate tattooing elbows because it's a fucking nightmare. And you've watched me do it and applied it to a different limb and it's the most efficient way and I've not. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like sometimes you're, you're, it's, you can't see the wood from the trees. So essentially what I've done is just like hired a bunch of lumberjacks to thin out the forest and find better roots. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's working. <laughs>
0: I love hearing that. But before we run, I want to ask you about a couple of songs. And I mean, like, honestly, we brought this up earlier, but we have to do it again. Like we seriously need to give big ups to Dean for his production on his production work on the album. And because honestly, you know, besides beyond the instrumentation, your voice sounds so crisp, even with like the aggressive uh, delivery. Mm -hmm. And I especially love the bass tones all throughout. And I think this, all of this comes across really well on the title track, particularly like that one is like,
1: it stands out in a big way like yeah dean has the vision he just gets it i wrote a little thing about him recently about why i thought he should be nominated or why he deserves to win because he's just been nominated for like self-producer of the year
0: oh sure
1: yeah which is pretty major at the mpg awards which is like a music producers guild so it's, it's quite you know industry-wise it's like quite a big deal and um I wrote a thing about why I thought he deserved it. And I, you know, there was a load of caveats in there. He should win it for his technical prowess. He should win it for, you know, his vision. But actually I think I've always said this about him. The reason he's better than anyone else is because he understands people, you know, like he looks at everyone in the room and understands like their, their strengths and their weaknesses. And then he just gives them the room to feel both, right? and that's really important you can't just play to someone's strengths like this isn't this isn't like a game where there's a singular goal you know you can't just play to someone's strengths in football like you have to this is art you know and sometimes a weakness a vulnerability will give you you know giving someone the room to feel that will provide you with results that are far better than them just like playing their to their strengths you know And when someone has the courage to really live in their in their vulnerability for a little while, man, like they then they only you turn their vulnerability into a strength. What a what a fucking major like discovery in life, you know. I'm so lucky to be around him all the time because he he does, because the the, the best thing about Dean is he doesn't even know he does it. He's literally like, if I said this to him, he'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but he, he, he doesn't have a clue. But I witnessed that in him. He does it with everyone, all of our friends, like, all of, like everyone that we write music with. He just gets it. And then he will, he will structure a room in a way where it creates space for everyone to breathe. Like he, he's, very, he's very clever. And that's what you hear in that record. When you're talking about making a record that is a condensed sound of rattlesnakes, the thing that that needs is is space. Yeah, it's it's. I read a little quote recently, and I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me. But you know, the main prerequisite to freedom is um, is the capacity of motion. You know, is is to have the space to move, and that's what Dean does. Like. He gives everybody the space to move, to be themselves, to learn and to live, and so what you get from that is a record where it's so intense because it's so free. And I think that's a really beautiful thing. of rock and roll, that's like what it's all about, really. That's
0: amazing. Like and you know what I love the most about hearing you say that is that, well, it's two things, yeah like I think it's important to stress that everything you describe is like both like you know an element of like what he's proficient at but also the element of care that he has because it's important yeah. in that there's a lot of producers who don't even think about doing that who very much approach it solely from the technical aspect and not think about the human nature and also mm. the the second bullet point in that is also that you started off that off by saying that he deserves this award and obviously you're his friend but you pointed out all the reasons why beyond your friendship he deserves that that's
1: beautiful yeah well i mean i mean I think so too. Like I, I, I count my, I count my blessings every day, man. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm lucky to be around people that inspire me to the level where I can be the best version of myself. You know.
0: Yeah, but before we wrap up, I naturally have to bring up uh, "Go Get a Tattoo," which is one of the best songs off the album. Ironically, considering Thank everything you. we talked about, and uh, it sounds like the type of song that lends itself to a great moment within the live show. How has the live show changed with this song and some of the other songs off Sticky?
1: I mean, it, dramatically, like, it, it, I mean, I mean that in all senses of the word dramatic, because, <laughs> you know, it's, it's become theatrical in a sense, because whenever Lynx is around, we drag him out to play it with us. And, you know, Lynx is one of those stars that comes along every now and again, where I really believe that like in a short period of time, he's going to be making records that are just like, that are so widespread and, and being received so well across all genres that we, we will look like such visionaries for having him in water. <laughs> like, he's like, like we. I just feel so lucky to have caught him at a time where he would say yes, because it won't be long before we can't get him back in the studio of us, you know, cause it will just be too busy. And, you know, I hated that. So I won't lie to you, I hated that song. It nearly didn't make the record and then um, we started looking for people to work with and we worked with one and it was great but we we just, he just it wasn't the right time for them to, re- to, to release it and then i was like okay i'm i'm out on this song i just cannot do it and then like they, their management came back and they're like no we really need someone else on it i said okay well you know we gave that tune to we gave the song bang bang to Lynx and the lyrics he wrote were my some of my favorite on the record so give him the song and see what he does and the fucking first thing I get back is it's 2am, fuck it, I'm getting a tattoo. And I thought, like, I've been fucking tattooing for t- 20 years and playing and writing lyrics for 25 years or whatever. And this fucker hasn't got any tattoos. And he's written, like, more definitive lyrics about tattooing than I ever have. And I was fucking fuming. I was livid, <laughs> man. I was, I was honestly, like, I called him. I was like, how dare you, you know? And he was like, what? What? And I was like, you put in a better fucking song about tattooing than I have. Staged me on my own fucking song. And then he comes in in a fucking glittery gimp suit and upstages me every night. Like, it's Uh, this is what I'm talking about, you know? Like, you've got (laughs) to get people around you that make you work harder. And Lynx is one of those individuals. So, yeah, I love that song now. That's amazing. Uh, I have to say, I, I
0: just really can't wait to hear um, off his head live. Like, I mean, what a fucking tune. Yeah, is. I'm really excited to hear that one.
1: Man, wait till you hear Cassie sing that live. Like, it's crazy. She, oh, she's man. on another level, man.
0: I mean, we're, we're just in March going into April. I think people will be hearing this at some time in May. But yeah, I hope you make it to the States again, man, because last time you were that, that was special. like, And I'm sure you've, it stuck with you, but like um, being in that room, and I, I think you guys did some other shows, but being in that room with you and like, you know, the Lower East Side, the
1: love people yeah. had, that was amazing. Yeah, I mean, New York is my home from home. I love it there. I, I will always love it there. And I'm, I'm just so excited to like get back and start touring sure. again. Like we, I don't know when we'll get back to America. We're still trying to work it out. We've got a lot of stuff going on in our own personal lives over here. We're going to take this year to get it right and make sure that we're in the best strength before we leave. But yeah. we'll be back, I promise you that.
0: Oh, Cheers, man. Well, I'm sure people, people who heard that both understand and they can't wait. Frank, thanks so much. I'm really glad yeah. we got to do this here.
1: Yeah. Absolute pleasure to see you again,
0: my friend. Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to the new exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening we yeah.